so. Martin, you, you called not for having a question, but just to call and hang out. And I'm I'm all up for that. That's in fact what's the best part of the Dhamma is just hanging out and talking about the Dhamma uh, and gaining the insights from from that. So you no, have no, I do, I, I can see. You can't see me? All right, I can turn it off and on again. Is it still off? Okay, it's good now. All right. So, um, like I said before, uh, Western society is built upon a hierarchy or a structure, and to give the structure authority, it has to be long-lasting or permanent, which means that we wind up with a permanent situation. An example of that would be the first grade teacher that a kid has when he's six years old remains his first grade teacher in his mind for the rest of his life, which would probably be even longer than hers. All right. She he never comes up to being a good friend of the first grade teacher because we have that structure built in to the mind and that we can see it really clearly in all of the various places. Like, for instance, the churchgoer is not the preacher. The preacher is the preacher. If the churchgoer, if the young man wants to become a preacher, he's got to go someplace else to do his preaching. So we also have it in the sense of the lawyer has a client. The client never becomes the lawyer for the lawyer who becomes the client. They don't switch those roles, right? But friends help friends and they can switch roles easily enough. Also, the psychologist and the, uh, the, the client, they don't switch roles. But in fact, the psychologist is deeply, deeply embedded upon keeping this guy a client because he's making money off of it. And so they, uh, the psychologist want the client to become deeply, deeply dependent upon the therapist. But in fact, I have seen that in several different businesses. One time I was with a business who was in diet and they kept telling me, oh, you haven't lost enough weight yet. Oh, you've got to stay here on our diet. And I've heard that also from uh, psychotherapy groups. Oh, you can't leave yet. You don't have all you need from us yet. They want you to stay and stay and stay and stay which actually then creates that guru-sila relationship. And so we can see it with doctors and lawyers and um, uh, psychologists, um, all these kind of places. And so in the Western mind, it's hard to then change the, into the mode of the, of the Buddha, which does not use that um, uh, teacher-student relationship, rather the kind of phrasing that he would use would be my uh, elder Dhamma brother. Okay, then in fact, that's the language that uh, the Dalai Lama used for Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. He's my elder Dhamma brother. And so if we look at it from that, that means that we're, we're brothers. We're in this together. And that part of the job of a good teacher is to bring the student out of the student's mentality into his own adult mentality. Okay. Um, singing perhaps a song like, we don't need another hero. Or I don't need a guru anymore. I can hand, I'm big enough now. I can grow up and be an adult all on my own. That's actually part of the liberation process is to be able to come out of our dependency upon other people. And very, very few places foster that. In generally in Western Buddhism, these guys that are on the web and sending out emails one after another, uh, kind of asking for money and whatnot like this, they need their students as part of their ego trip. The more students I have, the more important I am, the more money I can make, all of this, this is what Western Buddhism has become because it's following the psychologist model. 
but the actual model of the Buddha is, is that, um, in fact, the best situation would be when, when the nobles outnumber the students. So that it's about a four to one ratio that we only let people into the noble Dhamma often enough so that they can get it from the teachers who are already there. But except that they're not really teachers, the calling them teachers is what the student who has the student's mentality calls them. But the Dalai Lama was much more accurate when he called Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa his elder Dhamma brother. That's pretty cool. And yeah, isn't it though? That's that's actually the way that it, it does. So that when a young man becomes a monk, that actually means he's drawn into becoming part of one of the most noble, oldest in the world, old boys clubs. High quality, long lasting. I mean, wow, what an honor it is to be uh, accepted in there. And then the Westerner generally treats the uh, the noble Sangha the way he treated the rest of society. Without actually joining, he's just in the robes thinking now he's just in the robes and I got to follow a bunch of rules. Instead of watching the fact or learning the fact that he's actually joined a family and he needs to fit into that family, change his ways, become a new person, come out of his Western mentality and become noble like the noble Sangha. And this is why that relationship of the Sangha is so important, mainly because most of the Westerners are kind of left in their own imagination about what enlightenment is, and they can wind up coming up with all kinds of stories. But when you've got nobles standing right in front of you, begin to figure out, oh, this is what they mean by being noble. And so being around nobles is uh, uh, of, of great value. Yeah. And uh, the part of the quality of that is, is that their idea or their, uh, let us say, uh, subterfusion is the intention to help you become noble first by acting that way and then by thinking that way and then by being that way which by the way is the sila samatipanya that we have been talking about it <laughs> ordinary buddhism all along is it that we start in the sense of can you actually learn to control your behavior and behave like a monk well, in Thailand, that's easy to do because there have been monks all over the place that have been watched. But when the Westerner comes, he comes with his own ideas about what it is to be ordained. And then he doesn't recognize that, oh, no, this is a kind of a training. I should watch closely to what's happening. To start behaving the way that people are behaving. That one of the things that uh, uh, is kind of subtle, but it's important, and that is, is that when a monk is, is traveling, either out in the public, in a crowded watt, or anything like that, the monk, monk will never go between two people or touch them in any way. If the, if the uh, way forward is obstructed, the monk will stop. This is part of the training. The way forward is obstructed, and we look down at the shoes of the people, or actually we look at the shoes that we want to move. And those shoes move out of the way, giving the monk a wide berth. And I've got a particular really weird story about that that happened at the uh, um, uh, Vietnamese Wat in Boston to where going to the bathroom for any monk was a really interesting experience because the hallway to the bathroom and the entire kitchen was filled with Sri Lankan ladies and uh, Vietnamese ladies and all kinds of Asian people sitting there enjoying themselves. And the monk comes and he stands at the door and all of these people have to nudge each other and push so that they can get away so that they, and then you get to the hallway and now all of the women are sitting on the floor and you gotta wait until they stand up and move out of the way. And everybody's like this around the monk. 
Okay. Now, I was lucky enough to know what to do. I could have made myself a complete idiot and people would have hated me had I not let all of the women do what Asian women do. Rather than, oh, I got to use the bathroom more. Let me through. Let me through is a really, really big no, no. (laughs) And this is part of the, the, uh, the, the training. That, that we learn in the sense of the SIVA is, is that we stop putting our body out there as a, an operating machine. That we always hang back. Always demur, et cetera, like that. And for the Westerner, that's so hard to do. Yeah. Okay, so this is this is part of the training that if there, if no if someone does not ever ordain they will miss out on that part of the training that is so readily available within the Sangha because every young monk has to go through that kind of uh, watching where you're going and learn to use your hands correctly and all kinds of stuff. In fact, part of the story is is that when I would go on Bendabat for, uh, out for the arms round with Achan Po, that he and a couple of other monks, um, I was the, the 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 newest, I guess, on the crowd, and so I was the last on the uh, on the walk. And uh, he, in one area, not not a big area, but just a small area crossing the road that had the largest pieces of gravel that I've ever seen on the road, big big sharp things, and we got to walk across that. And others would be that there are um, spiky plants that if you step on it, it will it will be a spike. So you have and not only that, but in the rain, these creepers will go right out into the path. So the path is muddy and it's got spikes in the plants. <laughs> and so you have to really pay attention to every step. That was the whole point, I think, of John Poe himself leading uh, me or leading the group that I was in. He would lead us uh, on this pendabot simply because it was boot camp. It was a, it was literally a minefield, a natural minefield. <laughs> and the other part was is that um, learning to handle uh, in in the uh, in Ponza, learning to handle an umbrella, and handle the lid and handle the bowl all together. And so I got the idea: well, if they have all of these bowl straps. No, the bolt strap is for traveling. You're on Pendabot. You don't use a bolt strap. So I had a thin orange piece of uh, string that I had tiny put little holes in the metal bowl and then put this string on it. And I tried to post all that string before I got close enough to him to hide it. (laughs) And off that string comes. No, you got to learn to handle that bowl and handle that lid and handle all the stuff that they give you and handle your Sangati robe and the umbrella. And that leads you to, un, to I mean, this is this is part of the training. At least that was part of the training that he gave me. And all of the other monks that I know of, they had gone through that kind of training of you got to learn how to handle stuff with this uh, uh, thing. And if you drop something, that's okay. Never mind. Start again. And so that noble Sangha is actually a, a training ground. Um, one of the things about uh, Thailand as a culture is, is that men who have been a monk for two years or so, which is the old standard, every young man would be a monk for, he would be in the army for two years, and then he'd be in the, uh, the Sangha for two years, and then he's 22 years old. He is absolutely the best husband material out there. He has been trained in both areas, both in the military and in the Sangha. Why? Well, a man who has been in the Sangha for a couple of years, he knows to shut his mouth when he's around women. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a big one. (laughs) And um, that he know that he's going to treat his children well, that he's not going to be an alcoholic or a drunk, that would have already shown up or um, that he's actually going to, to, to be able to fit into the to the wife's new family. 
that that's really what society in Thailand is about, is making this big family and this big family bigger through marriage. And then you have the whole village that, in fact, that's something that happens uh, quite often, that everybody in the village is related to everybody else in the village somehow or another. <laughs> um, so this is part of the society that the Westerner does not get, does not understand. And when they come, you see, they come without that family structure. That the that the the young Thai men when they come and stay in the sangha, they have their family and everyone in the community knows them and are supporting them. When the average Westerner comes to Thailand to ordain, he's on his own. In fact, he could be against his family that they don't want him there. They want him to come home and do what he's told to do. And so uh, that that makes things really quite different. Uh, and that this is part of the reason why we want to have the Open Sangha Foundation is so that guys can already have their Sangha going when they take the robes so that they've already got a set of friends. Rather than feeling like that they're on their own. <laughs> and, and and so. Um, Getting back to one of the stories that I left as a thread, that after this time of two years, that um, there's a typical time of year when the when the Thai monks disrobe, when they're, if they're going to, there's a time of year to do that, and that is right after Panza, right after Katen, and three days after that. That's when they can disrobe. Um, and that, in fact, that was used on me that I can't even leave the Watt until that period of time has uh, occurred. Is uh, the finish of the Ponza, Ponza, and then the Katen, and then three days after that, and then we can take a hike. So, with that in mind, at the Katen ceremony, all of the young women in Thailand, because of their mothers, are dolling them up, putting their best makeup on and their best uh, Watt-worthy uh, clothing, often always a new uh, skirt and dress, blouse, etc., like that, because they're out there husband shopping, with one exception, and that is the mother of the monks are the one who's orchestrating the whole thing. They've already picked, in other words, this is already arranged. Oh, okay. And all, and oftentimes, the girl and the boy meet at the Katen. That's the first time that they've seen each other. But the mothers are already thick with each other. That that's, in fact, the power of the Thai society is the mother-in-laws are thick with each other. So where in the West, they're often competitive with each other. Is that all you get caught yourself? Pardon? Is that what what happened to you? Which one of those? I think half the stories I tell is stuff I've seen and half the stories happen to me. Which one are you talking about? Uh, is that how you met your wife? Oh, no. Oh, no, not at all. No, I had already been disrobed, I think, four years before I met her. Okay. And the way that I have to tell it is, is she took one look at me and she came and she would not let go. I had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been been doing it now for let's see this is our 12th year oh so um back 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 to the story uh within the western context is always the student remains a student within the context of the buddha it's the uh, that the teacher becomes like an elder brother and then like a partner. That I don't see Achan Po really as a teacher anymore. I see him as a really good friend, which is the whole idea, is to uh, have that Kaliyameta uh, become a, a good friend and advisor. But we don't keep putting him up there in order to keep us down, nor do we take pot shots. That we accept the teacher or our, our friend is just, he's 
not only a good friend, but he's the very possibly best friend I could come up with. But I'm very lucky to have a human like this to be a friend of mine. And so that's the way that we want to uh, to see it is that we do it with a lot of gratitude. That we're grateful for having gone through the training and gotten some advantage out of it. And that uh, it's always, by the way, been the case that most of the students of the Buddha in general were always lay people, that the monastics are a small minority. That's why you can have, uh, what, 500 or 600 million Buddhists, but we only have about 6 million monastics, about a hundred to one ratio or something like that. Now, here's the interesting point, though. That six million monastics in Buddhism makes it the largest organization. It's loosely organized, but a monk is a monk. And they accept each other that way. And so that's bigger than any army. It's bigger than any military. It's bigger than any other religion. It's huge. And it's 2,500 years old. And it's got high quality standards. And if you can meet those standards, you're good to go. But the rest of the story is, is that, well, what about the other 99%? The answer to that is it depends upon their own personal interest and dedication, just like the 1% were interested enough to actually dive in, to, to jump into the stream, to change their lifetime lifestyle completely. But, but uh, we can have that mentality as uh, what we call in, for lack of a better term, lay people. A better term in the time of the, of the Buddha was the word householder, someone who owns property. If we own property, we've got some obligation to that property. If we've got children, we have obligation to those children. Um, and so uh, many of the householders did not ordain and go out and live in the woods. They continued to live at, at the house, but mostly they learned to sit on the porch and just watch what's going on. <laughs> that in fact, they can learn to do that and uh, be around the monastics occasionally and then come and, and come home and begin to live that easy life. One of the things, and in fact, it's in Sutta number 31 in the Dinga Nikaya, is Buddha's recommendations to lay people. And one of the items on the list is give all the duties of the house, all your business, everything, give it to the wife. Let her do everything. And that fits in, by the way, with uh, uh, there, there's a joke book that I saw in India called uh, Nula Mula. Nasruddin, and obviously it's an Islamic book, but it's a joke book. And in this joke book, one time a bunch of people came to the mullah, Nasruddin, and says, well, what do you do all day? And he says, oh, I only do really, really important things. And I let my wife do all the unimportant things. And they asked, well, what do you mean by that? And he says, oh, well, my wife does all the important things, like what house we live in, what clothes I wear, what foods we eat, what, what kind of car we have, how the children are dressed, where they go to school, what religion they have, all of that kind of stuff, that's up to her. And they said, well, well what do you do? And he says, oh, I only take care of important things, like pondering, does God exist? Or what is the nature of reality? That's my job. Okay, so... Um, in that joke book, it's a particular point of view. I guess we could refine that to say, oh, I'm just looking for a bunch of nothing. <laughs> That's important, is to go find a bunch of nothing. But you have to understand that's a joke in and of itself. Um, but this quality then of the, of the lay life is, is that the guys can learn to take it easy. They can't. They could just give up on all of the problems that they used to have, which wound up being arguing with the wife. We can just stop arguing with her. Just let her have her way. That's easy. <laughs> yeah, when we think about it, hey, all I have to do is remember that and I can get out of every argument. I can get out of every argument. But just say, OK, go ahead, do. 
I use your technique. <laughs> I go to the bathroom. <laughs> ah, yeah, just stand there and they will move out of the way. Oh, no, I mean, uh, last time you told me uh, when I'm in argument, I can oh, say. I yes, that's a good time to go. <laughs> exactly. I think uh, I have problem now. <laughs> Pardon? Now everybody thinks I have bladder problem because I go to the bathroom so many times. <laughs> I had never considered overdoing it. <laughs> but in that case, um, I really don't have much of anything to say. I'd continue to do it anyway if I, if I was in such an argumentative place. But the idea, I guess, is that we can find other options other than taking that particular way out. And one of the better options is not getting into an argument in the first place. Let the, whatever the argument is about, give it to them. Yeah. If it's uh, about what restaurant you go to, oh, I don't have really outgoing any restaurant you want to go to. And the wife comes and says, I really want to quit my job. And I say, well, that sounds like a pretty good idea to me. And then next week she comes back and I says, I thought you were going to quit your job. And she says, oh, I didn't. Yeah. And then we get into the then then we get into the conversation about that. She learned to actually get along with her boss, <laughs> which is what I was recommending. Yeah. And now she That's doesn't so quit her job. And it was easy both sides for me because I just go, OK, you're going to quit. Fine. If you're going to go back and work again, hey, too. <laughs> yeah, you're so right that sometimes you just have to to wait and shut them off. And uh, it's just uh, it's like, right? Well, you mm -hmm. just have to wait and shut up. <laughs> yeah, shut up and wait. That's uh, yeah. uh, the in the military they have also that statement of hurry up and wait, but here instead of hurrying, we're just going to shut up. Just shut up and wait. I can wait here. I don't have to go someplace else to wait. I can wait right here. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually part of the training that one would get as a monk. It's just just sit here. Yeah, the food's right in front of you. We're too busy pretending that we don't want the food and that we're chanting. You do that too. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter how delicious that hot food is. It's going to be stone cold by the time you get any of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, this is just the way of just sitting and waiting. And then we find out that, oh, wait a minute, just sitting and waiting is a really, really marvelous thing to do one moment after another. Just sitting here waiting because really anything that is happening is happening. Are you paying attention? Are you watching what's going on? Or are you uh, in there complaining about why they don't want to do it your way? Here we are in a situation in the uh, way that I was talking about it. We've got 200 people there and everybody but me wants it to be just the way that they're doing it. This is the tradition. This is the way they do it. And here this fat old Western monk says, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> and I'm glad that I didn't do that out loud. Because I was able to shut up and wait. But when I learned to just to sit there, everything is fine. Everything is fine. No problem. So I was making my own problem, my own heat. But look at all the teachers that I had to show that, hey, these guys are just sitting here. Easy peasy. Nothing problem, no problem. <laughs> and so this is part of the reason why the Sangha is so valuable, is that we recognize that we can just fit in and and take on a new routine but for the westerner we don't even know what the routine is we have to actually be taught and we have to look to where the thai people they already know the routine they've seen that routine their whole lives going on they know what it's like to go into the what and we don't we come with an imagination so the westerners are the ones who need that kalyametta the most 
we need a spiritual guide. We need a spiritual friend who had been there and knows the dangers. Because, see, the Thais, they don't even know the dangers that the Westerners have until the Westerners start breaking the rules and people get unhappy with them. And by then, it's kind of too late. So this is this is part of the reason why we want to keep it at, even at the level that we have is that friendship level so that we're all friends together. And that way, uh, the guys who want to become monks can actually learn how to be monks the way that all the, the Thai guys already know before they become monks so that they don't have to go make a whole bunch of mistakes. And you know yourself that you've had those thoughts and feelings. Everybody does. Oh, just chuck this life. I'm going to go to the monastery. <laughs> but the monastery that we want to go to is one that we've invented in our mind. We don't know about the real place. Not yet. We got to go see it first. And uh, uh, but this is the point that we all have. We all want to check out. We all want to go find a better lifestyle than the one that we think that we wound up with until we recognize that I made this thing. And that I can change it right here, right now. So that's basically the difference then between the layman can figure out that he can make the changes he needs to do right here, right now and keep his obligations to where the other one is, oh, I'm going to go in whole hog. But he has to be free from the obligations. One of the examples is free from debt. One of the students just says that he's got a $2,000 uh, hospital bill. And the answer to that, you got to pay it. The Sangha doesn't want people in debt. It's part of the, t uh, goes way back to the original. In fact, I think it's in the ordination that you got to be free from debt. You also got to be free from wanted, being wanted by the cops too. We don't want to have the cops come into the uh, into the watt and arrest our monks. <laughs> and so there's all of these kind of upfront kind of uh, restrictions that the Westerner uh, doesn't know about, but it's built right into the culture in Thailand. Uh, and so getting that two thousand dollar debt paid should become a priority one way or the other. And often hospitals will bend when you start fussing at how bad their care was and that I don't want to pay this $2,000. My arm still hurts. You know, when you approach it like that, they'll lower the price. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not saying that that's right behavior, but what I am saying is, is that it does get that price down so that you can pay it off easier and then go into the robes. That's the whole point. And we have to be mindful of what we're doing and why we're doing it. But that's one of the outs is you can talk them out of the price. <laughs> but we have to be completely free from any obligations. I would say even and this is possibly the most important one. You have to have permission from your own mom. If she doesn't give you permission, they're not going to let you ordain. And there's a whole lot of reasons for that. And that, in fact, has over the centuries um, modified the Thai culture, giving women a whole lot of power. And that uh, naturally, if, if a guy, um, let us say, has gotten a girl pregnant or two, and he uh, is wanting a way out, he doesn't like the relationship, you can say, oh, I can become a monk. Well, he's got two mothers, the mother of the girl and his own mother, who have a whole lot to say about where he goes and what he does. But in fact, uh, in Thailand, they do kind of have a legal system about uh, uh, child support. But it's it, like in the United States, it's the government that enforces the child support. In Thailand, the moms, enforce the child support <laughs> and so the guys pay it if they <laughs> if they've gotten themselves in that position so um that's just part of the the thai culture that we in the west we don't know that 
then no. so the ties they have those obligations that they expect the westerner that in fact they don't want to ordain you if you've got small kids who's taking care of those kids that's in fact the, the situation they say with the buddha that he left regardless of the reasons that he left he left with his wife either ready to give birth or having just given birth and later that becomes an issue but at that time uh it was kind of i hear uh the stories is that it was necessary for him to go that he had gotten himself into a position of joining an organization where he could not disagree with what they were talking about which was the uh, uh the, the council for the Sakians. and so the only out was for him to leave okay otherwise he would have gotten executed for uh refusing to go to war with them because they were all hot and bothered about uh water rights and that's a very interesting story which actually gives it more permission for the buddha to have gone but the reality is is that uh, uh sukadama was very very well taken care of her father was quite wealthy and she was provided for very very well and so was uh his son rahula but most of the Westerners are not quite so lucky that oftentimes they'll, they'll want to escape into becoming a monk. And in fact, they're leaving their kids in uh, a destitution state. And that's not good for any of them, not even the young monk. And so we have to, to take care of all of that stuff, to clean our hands so that we uh, are, are actually ready to make that kind of life change. And for the for the guys who can't come up to that muster, we still have the lay life, and there's plenty to learn, especially if you associate with the nobles from time to time. Anyway, you can learn to sit down and let life be. So anyway, you've been kind of quiet. I haven't heard you say anything for a while. I guess we're just kind of following along. <laughs> what do you think about this becoming a layman in the sense of just one of the Buddha's householders? Yeah, I, I like the idea and uh, I think I'm 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 even not thinking about becoming a monk. Um, I have my wife and uh, and uh, I'm kind of taking care of her and uh, mm -hmm. I have obligation, but um, I like being a Buddha householder. That's great. Mm -hmm. uh, it's so many things uh, I learn every day, and uh, that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. Yes, there's there are many things to learn, and so this advice that I'm giving you today: start remembering to do this. Yeah. Stop arguing with her on any point that in fact, uh, you can begin to make jokes about it. You can even call her boss. Yes, boss. Yeah. yeah, yeah, call her the boss and then she'll say, oh, I'm not the boss. And in fact, that's what makes it um, more mutual is because she uh, respects that you respect her. She wants to give you some of the power back and you can pick and choose about what that's going to be give her good advice, but you let her do it any way that she wants to. And then there's no arguments left. Yeah. Um, also, when I uh, argue with her, I can feel it's it's the ego. It's the self because I feel triggered. I feel insulted, but that's bullshit. In fact, there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing. To it. Right. But there's really nothing to it. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes I remember, sometimes not. <laughs> ah, so that's where we practice. That's the whole point of when we recognize how good things can be when we remember to let them be and how bad things can get when we're not watching what we're doing. And when we get yeah. to the point of that, that means that now we're going to start watching. I'm going to be up for this. I'm going to start paying attention. It's, it's, it's way more easy uh, now that I see the dukkha more clearly 
I'm, I'm much more enthusiasm to practice. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, ah, also, Damarato, uh, I want to to say that I'm very, um, oh, I forget, um, uh, thankful for uh, all, all our talk we have together and the Sangha, because uh, I know it's important, because around me, there is, there is no Buddhist. And um, sometimes when you see the, the people behavior, uh, it's, not, it's not the noble one. So it's like, um, it's so good to see people living uh, like the noble one and to try to reach that standard. Because when I look around me, <laughs> I'm not better, but it's kind of sad sometimes. When you hear people talk, it's half. Oh, that is a common Sorry. statement. When people get into the Dhamma, they begin mm. to recognize that they're a very tiny island in a very large sea of sharks. <laughs> and so we need this Sangha. We need to know that we're connected together, that these islands are in a chain. They're not isolated, that mm. we can reach the other uh, people who feel isolated like that and yeah. become friends together and support each other in the noble growth. Yes. Because, um, you know, osmosis. Who? Uh, osmo uh, osmosis, you know, for example, when uh, there is a high uh, temperature uh, and a low temperature. <laughs> yes. That's something I was really afraid before because uh, around me, the osmosis is not the noble one. Right, exactly. Oh. But you also recognize that that osmosis is real, that when people put out bad feelings, those bad feelings radiate and that people yeah. will absorb that stuff. And so yes. if we know that, that means then that we have some control over what we radiate so that we can yeah. stop radiating what they're radiating to us and start radiating some joy and peace and comfortable happiness and let them pick up on that. That that's that's actually why the Buddha talks about that the that the Dhamma is all about friendship. The first thing that we have to do is to make friends with ourselves on the inside, to accept ourselves, warts and all, so that we could do something about it happily. And then once we get that joy on the inside, now we can radiate it outwardly without getting too stuck into whatever they're into that we can maintain we've got the power to stay in nurturing even though they want to stay in critical for a while having their pity parties or anger or resentment or whatever they're feeling at the moment and we can stay above that And so we can remain then friends with ourselves, but then we can become friends with them. We don't have to blame them for their own bad behavior or thinking that we're better than they are because look what we've oh. been through. Exactly. Yeah, so they're going through it now. Yes. Let's be kind to those people. Maybe they'll make it through and then they'll be noble friends soon. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's, it, I think sometimes it's important to remember that we all start like victim and, and that we are no, no better. Uh, um, right, every house knows old age, sickness and death. Yeah, it's the condition. Mm -hmm. Every household knows dukkha. And it's, it's hard for us who have uh, found a way of dodging a lot of the dukkha uh, that in a way we are superior. But a superior attitude is not superior. <laughs> and so we can, we can see the way things are and recognize, yeah, there, but for a bit of time, I go. That's who I am. I'm glad that I can see that so that I don't have to continue like that. Yeah. But thinking that I'm better than him and being superior to him uh, is dangerous, partly because he'll pick up on that and start shooting arrows at it. <laughs> so, 
uh, we can remain in the state of friendliness, that we're okay. And knowing that the world out there is doing, each one of them out there is doing the best they can with the knowledge and the information that they've got. That that's hey. part of our society. They're doing the best they can with the limited uh, knowledge and skills that they have. Yes. So we can increase for ourselves that skill base, that knowledge base. To bring us up to the level of nobility, which, by the way, everybody exhibits on a regular basis. Yes. Everybody is noble from time to time. And so really all we're doing is just increasing our time frame by remembering, oh, I can be noble now, too. And yeah, I can be noble right now also. Yes. And uh, nobody is an asshole uh, along the day. <laughs> <laughs> right. If we can remember. Mm. The danger is, is that when we forget and then we remember, now we're fussing at ourselves because you forgot a while. Yeah. Rather than congratulate ourselves for, oh, I remember now. Mm -hmm. Never mind, start again now. And, and always maintain that noble position rather than, hey, you went three hours in Dukkha. Well, I'm still in Dukkha. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why not say, never mind three hours, right now we're okay. <laughs> And we can do this through friendship, learning to hear and making it easy, making it lightweight. As there's not really that much to it after all. We just have to keep doing it because right now is always new. There's a new right now and a new right now and a new right now. And so we have to keep up with right now. And then it's okay. It's easy enough. Yeah, if you keep remembering. If you remember, just keep remembering. And when you recognize how dangerous it's going to be when we forget, we're going to make sure that we remember. We're going to stay on it. Yeah, it's true. Um, this week, I, I was thinking be, before I know Buddhism, you know, and sometimes I've got the feeling that things was, was simpler, you know, because I wasn't thinking about uh, sati, pity, all of that stuff. But yesterday, I go to the hospital and there was a woman that was uh, uh, screaming uh, in pain and fear. And I wasn't remembering at that start because it, it took me by surprise. And, and I was like, oh shit. And when I remember, then tack, I began to say, okay, I begin to watch my thought have a wholesome thought. I don't know what's, in, uh, what's happening to her. It's just the noise. I keep, and I say, whoo, <laughs> I'm so glad and I'm so uh, uh, thankful I know the, the Buddha's teaching. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and congratulations for remembering it just when you needed yeah. it the most. Yeah, it, it, was, very, it was one of the hardest times because uh, it, the, the scream was so fearful. Ah. Because you know, sometimes you practice in 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 your room in security. Uh, you know, here everything is fine, but then you get the test in real life in situation, and that's when I I was really happy to 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 have those exactly. techniques and this knowledge. This is why we want to practice it in the sense of going to the gym and doing those reps. If you keep yeah. doing the reps over and over and over again, then all of a sudden you've got to pick up a car. Guess what? You can do it <laughs> because you've gone through the training. So this is a, a way of uh, looking at it as, yeah, this, this lady screaming put you to the test and you remembered, hey, I can handle this. Hey, I can do this. I can handle this. That in fact, uh, that's being on the way of becoming what we would refer to as a good position. Someone who can actually walk up to the woman who's laying on that gurney, whether they're actually employed by the hospital or not, and just walk up to her and smile and say, 
everything's going to be all right. And you'd be surprised at how quickly they will cool down just by having someone come up and just reassure them. But if the if the nurse comes up and says, oh, we're going to take care of you, oh, you just want... <laughs> that she, her message is more of her own franticness. And so if you walk up really, really cool and say, hey, you're going to be all right. This is going to be okay. Oh, yeah, that's that's what you say is something that I've learned with uh, animals, with the cat. Mm -hmm. Is the cat uh, is afraid of something? And I say, what? What is happening? It just boom, run away. And if I say, hey, what's happening? Everything is fine. That's OK. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly so. Exactly. So the way in our tone of voice is something to become aware of, to watch, yeah. to notice the, the tone of voice. And in that regard, now we have a choice to be able to change it, to be more compassionate or to be easier with someone, not chase them away by accident or contributing to their problem. And so now we become friends with ourselves, and now we can become friends with others too, even those who are in pain. And that's what being a good layman is, you see, because the monks, they don't have much choice about that. Somebody's got to be drug into the wad <laughs> before the, uh, the monks can can do much of anything, uh, which often happens. I mean, uh, the watch in Tainan is the psychotherapy when it works. There's not very many psychologists in Thailand at all as compared to the West because the people okay. go to the temple to resolve their issue. And if that don't work, they'll go to the police station and then they'll resolve the issue. And people don't wind up being nuts about the fact that they can't get their issues solved. <laughs> so um, anyway, this has been a really delightful conversation. Let's go ahead and finish it now. And that uh, I really appreciate that you were able to hang in there with me on some of these things that are kind of hard to understand. Yeah, but I think I did it because I was a guitar teacher, you know, uh -huh. and I was always wanted that my that my student become uh, become, um, you know, uh, ah, shit, um, you know, <laughs> they can learn on their own. You, you right. See I mean? Uh huh. That was always what I, I have in sight is that I learned them to to be teacher themselves so they can right. learn themselves stuff. So I, I think I get your point. In a way to learn to be their own best friend. Yes. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> right. We're not enemies with ourselves anymore. We don't have the whip out. Oh, you got to go do this and you got to go do that. And yeah. just recognize, yeah. hey, we're OK. We're fine. <laughs> All right, Martin, thank you so much. This has been a good thank talk. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see you soon. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye.